We shall be reading from James chapter 2, from verse 1 to 13. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit there at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and ears of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man, and not the rich, the ones who oppress you, are the ones who drag you into court. Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law, According to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the old law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. And verse 13, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. May the Lord bless the reading of this word. We'll pray for the kids before they leave. Father Lord, thank you for your word. It's true. It's true for adults. It's true for children. So we pray that you will use Tom to speak your word clearly. And we pray that you will prepare the hearts of these young ones to receive your word. Prepare our hearts that we may receive your word with humility, with gladness, and with obedience. We pray you use Rob, that he may speak clearly your word, that he may be faithful to what you have shown him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please keep uh, your Bibles open um, as we look at this passage together. We'll be referring to different verses as we go through, so... As George says, uh, said, we're, we're in the letter uh, James wrote to these um, Jewish Christians uh, converted from a Jewish background. And um, he is writing to Christians. Um, so uh, if you're not a Christian here today, um, you can see that in verse 1 it says, My brothers and sisters, um, those who hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. So they hold the faith in Jesus as Lord and as Christ. Um, so if you're not a Christian, you're kind of listening in to what... Uh, Christians are being told uh, the outworking of their faith is um, in the passage today. Um, But what James puts his finger on is actually something that we all can relate to. 
Um, and it's this favoritism. Um, I have two uh, twin daughters. Um, I, have to, I have to be really careful that, <laughs> that one doesn't become the favorite. Um, and other people obviously uh, have, have um, one that they relate to a bit more than the other. But favoritism. Uh, James puts his finger on one example and one scenario. And you might have seen it in the passage. If you look down with me at verse 2, he's going to talk about how they might treat two different individuals. um, And they're different. Okay? Uh, He says, if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing, he's there on the screen, comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? James says that if they do this, um, they would have dishonored the poor man. Um, And actually, the reason why this is uh, something that he challenges is because uh, for Christians... They, sh- they have God as their judge. He is the judge. And they live under his law. And yet when we, when we choose, when we make those choices between people uh, based on how successful they are or how successful we think they are, um, we become the judge. So we put ourselves as the judge. And uh, we're basically deciding who deserves the honor, who deserves um, our, our honor. Um, this is a normal thing we do, isn't it? So in the world, um, the kind of programs that you see on TV, um, there are things like The Apprentice. And uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of The Apprentice. Um, I spoke about that last week. Um, but it's budding uh, young business entrepreneurs. They're the, the sort of the young uh, and trendy often, and people with big ideas. And Dragon's Den is, is also uh, one of those things, isn't it, where people come and they want um, the investment. A huge amounts of money to their businesses. Uh, sporting events, we honour those who are at the peak of their fitness, their ability. So, that, so it's normal, isn't it, that we honour those who are the best. We honour those who succeed. And I think the reason why they might have been tempted to do this was because money is a mark of success. If someone has money in any culture, it's a mark of success. And they're saying, look, um, we're going to treat that person with more honor because they are more successful. And we're going to dishonor someone else who doesn't seem to have amounted to much. Now, that's the normal way of things. Um, We see that all the time. And we do it all the time. We don't even really question it. (laughs) But what about in the church? What about with Christians? Should that be the case? Um, Should we do that? Um, Have have a kind of system where... uh, if you're earning over £40,000, you come down here. If you're 30000 20000 yeah. Should that be the case? And if not, then why? Why not? Well, as I've said, um, it's because God is the judge. Christians, are mo- uh, more than all people, should, should know that God is the one who judges. We're not the judge. He is. And, and yet he's a judge who shows mercy. If you look down with me at verse 5. Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? 
So God's the kind of God and judge who chooses often those who are um, nothing or not seem to be much in the world's eyes. And he reveals himself to them. Um, throughout the Bible, we hear of him doing that. Uh, we hear of how he chooses those who are nobodies and the least in society to become his people. Um, Stephanie mentioned a few of them in her prayers. Many weren't kings or queens, but people working in the fields, struggling to make a living. Women like Naomi and Ruth, who were destitute. Esther, when God revealed himself to them and called them to follow him. The Israelites, um, in the, you know, the situation in Egypt, they were slaves. <laughs> you can't get much lower on the path than that. And, and God chose them and chose to reveal himself to them. And James says, you know that. You know that God chose those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. Notice he says they are poor in the world, but they become rich. Rich because they now know him. Rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, his coming kingdom that they're going to receive. And Jesus, um, he went to the weak, the lowly, the helpless, the sick and the poor. And he called disciples who were from that group as well, people to follow him. I think actually with the exception of Levi, who was despised for his riches, um, they all had very little to their name. And Jesus chose them and he called them. And actually, the people who James is writing to, he called them as well. And they weren't, he didn't choose them because they were impressive in the world's eyes. And that wasn't why he chose them. He chose them because of his mercy and his kindness. So the Christian knows this, has come to see God is the judge who shows mercy. And then of all people, uh, it should actually play out in how they treat others in the mercy that they extend to others and they practice uh, with their relationships with others. It should look very different. Uh, rather than being the judge, sitting in judgment on people based on sort of superficial things, they, they of all people should, know, should uh, treat people fairly, <laughs> with kindness. And yet we don't, do we? And I think James uh, wants to um, do something for the people he's writing to. He wants to lead them to repentance. I'll explain what repentance means in a moment. But if they weren't really considering that what they were doing was wrong, there's a good chance of that, isn't it? They were just sort of not really realizing that they were doing it. Uh, James wants to up, sort of up the ante. He wants to present it in such a way as to suggest this is, this is a big deal, what they're doing. So in verse, um, if you look down with me at verse 8, he's already said you have dishonored the man in verse 6. Verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But, verse 9, if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. What's he doing now? Well, he's saying that God's, um, God's holy law, he calls it the royal law, doesn't he, in that verse? According to the scripture is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you treat people unfairly, you honor one and you don't honor another. You, you sort of seem to be loving one person, but only them and not others. Then you break the law. 
And I think this would have held quite a lot of weight, a, a bit of a punch for people who are from a Jewish background. Because God's holy law, <laughs> you know, they knew the, the, the Old Testament. They knew what God's laws were. And, uh, and, and this would have been quite a shock. It would have been, <laughs> we, we weren't thinking like that. We were thinking we were just preferring one over another. And yet he says here, you've broken God's holy law. His royal law, which I think is a reference to um, Jesus, uh, the king. Uh, when Jesus was asked, uh, what's your summary of God's law? Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And so if the king is standing there saying, this is what God's law is about. We've got to listen, haven't we? And his people, of all people, should be living under that law. Practicing that law. Loving that law. And so he says, if you don't, if you don't love this person, you've broken God's holy law. To love others. Um, he also does a few other things. He says, um, so that's the breaking of God's law. Um, he also says that if you break part of God's law, you've broken all of it. So you can't say, oh, we, we, we're kind of doing a bit of it um, and we're going to choose to do that bit of the law. It says in verse 10, uh, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who says, uh, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. He's saying you can't say I'll, I'll, I'll keep the law in part on this occasion and I'm not going to keep it on this occasion. And again, he's, he uses some, what, what kind of laws does he use to describe this, to make his point? What are they? It's not a rhetorical question. Adultery and murder, right. He uses adultery and murder to, in, in a conversation to make his point about the fact that they are not loving in a way that they might think is not really very serious. And yet we know, don't we, that murder and adultery, wow, they're, they, they're, we always think, oh, they're really unloving or they're really hating others. But he uses those to show it's the same sin, really. It's a sin of not loving as we should. And not loving as God loves. And I think it would have been a, a bit of a, a, a shock to them to hear him speak in, in these kind of terms. G James uses these far more shocking expressions of hatred, I think, to wake them up. He's saying it's no small thing that you're doing. And I think he's out to restore these Christians. He's not out just to condemn them. Um, if you want to look with me towards the end of James, um, James chapter 5, very last two verses of James... Would someone be happy to read those verses out from where they are? Kenny, would you be able to do that? Yeah. I don't think James is out to condemn them. I think he's out to restore them and to lead them to repentance. 
And I think he, he, he's doing what he's inst- going to instruct them to do for each other um, in the last two verses of this letter. And what is repentance is one of those Bible words that gets banded around quite a lot. Uh, I think repentance is to acknowledge that we've done something wrong, done something against God and against others. Uh, to confess to God that we've done that. And to know that only Jesus' uh, uh, death on the cross can pay for our sin and offer forgiveness. And then I think it's to turn away from sin. So not just acknowledge it, not just confess it, but to turn away from it and to live um, in, a, in a different way. And I think that's what James is um, calling for them to do. Uh, if you look down with me back in verse two, chapter 2, verse 12, he'll say, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. He's calling actually for a change. He's saying, don't carry on doing that. Speak and act as those who will be judged or are to be judged under the law of liberty. Don't carry on living as those who sit in judgment, but as those who have a judge and who sit under his holy law. He's the judge. And his law is to love others as we love ourselves. Um, Which means that if you're a Christian here today, and this passage and perhaps the the opening illustration and some of those things has made you aware of ways that you sit in judgment on others. Maybe it's, um, I've chatted to a few people, cultural things. It's easy to make judgments about that, isn't it? And think that some are better than others. Um, I was convicted by this about, um, I think the way that I judge people is whether they can communicate. And if they're not so good with words or they can't communicate well, I'm, I kind of look, look down on them a bit. Um, in some parts of the world, there, there'll be a class system. There probably is here as well. I just haven't worked out what it is. Um, class system where people are treated differently, depending on their um, class, even in church. And people who are from a certain caste won't speak to other people from another caste. There's a pecking order. And maybe this passage has made you aware of ways that you sit in judgment on others. Ways that you might feel superior to them. So the the call for you and for me is to repent. And as we return to the God of mercy, (laughs) the God who has mercy on sinners like us, that is the desire, isn't it? That's the thing that's going to motivate us to have mercy towards others. It's his mercy that will motivate us to do that. Um, You may call yourself a Christian. And um, I'd encourage you to read James because there's quite a few times when he he puts the Christian faith pretty starkly. I mean, it kind of um, worries us a bit, doesn't it? But he says stuff like, um, faith without works is dead. You can actually have a dead faith. And he says, The Christian life is not so much by seen by what we say we believe, but how we live. And so how how do we know if we're really a Christian? Well, by the results, by the the change in the way that we treat others, and in this occasion, the mercy that we practice towards others. A person can think themselves to be a Christian, to be saved, but their actions can tell another story. And the sad reality um, of verse 13, if you want to look down with me at uh, at verse 13, um, 
It says, judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. It's pretty, it's pretty stark, isn't it? Um, James said, he's saying there will be judgment from God without mercy for anyone, any one of us who is not changed first to see he is a merciful God and therefore doesn't practice mercy towards others. We will face judgment without mercy. Um, and if it was just that bit, it would, we'd all be in trouble, wouldn't we? But he says in verse uh, second half of verse 13, mercy triumphs over judgment. It's wonderful that God's mercy triumphs over judgment. His mercy is more. Our sins, they are many. We can't, hold, we can't disguise it from him. We can't hide it from him. But his mercy is more. So if you're not a Christian, uh, this passage is showing us how God thinks about sin. How God thinks about our lack of love towards one another. And you notice how seriously he takes it even in the lives of those people that he has saved. He's not mucking about. And so that means that we need his mercy. We don't want to face his judgment. We can't think that if we sit in judgment on others, perhaps our whole lives, <laughs> that we will somehow escape his judgment on us. Um, let's not ignore his great mercy um, given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was without sin, the one who always loved <laughs> his neighbor as himself who loved them to the point of going to his own death in obedience to God out of his love not for himself but for us let's go to God um, and the mercy that we need uh, that can be found in him let's pray Father God, I have acted as if I am the judge. I have sat in judgment without mercy towards others. I have broken your law of love. You would be right to sit in judgment. Because of your mercy alone at the cross, forgive all of my sinful pride. Rule my life. Change me to be like you. Help me to extend mercy to others. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Father Lord, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you that we can be recipients of your great mercy. Thank you that in you we have hope of seeing you face to face. We pray that that will be the confession of each and every one of us, each and every one of our family, each and every one in our estate, each and every one in our city, each and every one in our country. We'll never cease to praise you for your grace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.